You're listening to episode 42 of the National Centre for Writing podcast. Every week we talk about the writing life and discover exciting new projects. It's May the 1st, 2019 here at Dragon Hall in Norwich. I'm Simon Jones and I'm joined by my peerless colleagues, Steph McKenna. Hi. And Vicky Maitland. Hello. How is everybody today? Good, yeah. Very yeah, good, really you. good, thank you. I'm just recovering from a weekend in Krakow with a group of young people who we're going to hear a little bit more about later. Absolutely. So uh, me and Steph talked about what we we're reading mm. last week. Vicky, what are you reading? So I'm actually in between books at the moment. I'm currently working my way through some of the Women's Prize list. Um, so I just finished An American Marriage by Tiari Jones um, the other day. Oh, yeah. Really brilliant, really would recommend it. Yeah. Um, it's told from three different perspectives um, about uh, a family in America and it's just really fantastic. Brilliant. Um, and I'm just about to start My Sister the Serial Killer by Winkham oh, I really want to read that. I've had it on my... I don't often download Kindle books but... It was on, there was, a, there was a good Kindle offer going and I saw that and I just really wanted to read that for so long. I so. joined the back of the library queue. Did you? And have just that was a big waiting. library queue as well. It was a big well. library queue and it's just come round to me. So. I was on that reserve list for about six months yeah. and then I gave up. So <laughs> yeah, you'll have to, it sounds like you'll get there before me. you have to let us know how it yeah, is. We'll do. So coming out today, we've got an interview with playwright Hannah Jane Walker discussing the origins of her new show, Highly Sensitive. Uh, but before we get to that, just to go back to your Krakow trip and what that was all about and how it relates to the Handover Festival that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so for the past kind of nine months, I've been working with a group of young people, about 15 to 17 year olds, um, there's 15 of them in the group, and we have been designing and we're going to deliver a day into the Norfolk and Norwich Festival, which is really exciting. It's part of a much bigger project called Engage, uh, where we're working with four different cities throughout Europe, Krakow being one of them, um, to design a programme of best practice for working with young people and uh, making sure our projects are youth-led and authentic. And so that's what we've been doing the last nine months. And this Krakow trip was kind of a preliminary um, session that the group had with their uh, peers over in Krakow uh, to talk about the festival, do some creative writing and have one final last uh, hurrah before the festival day itself mm -hmm. on Saturday the 11th of May. Yeah, so this has been going on for months and this is the culmination of all the work. Uh, tell us a bit about the Handover Festival and what it is that's come together because this has been curated and programmed by the people involved in, in Engage, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so they've had kind of full curatorial control over the project. So at the start, we had a huge list of themes and names that we wanted to invite and talk about. And over the past several months, we've been sending out invites and uh, really pulling everything together. So the theme of the festival is social activism. That was the kind of buzzword that got all the young people really excited about it. And I think it's very timely um, at the moment as well. So we're really looking forward to exploring that through the power of writing and the way that words and ideas can change the world. Um, the festival day itself is being held at Antaros Arts Foundation, which is a really cool local charity in Norwich. And it's the first time I think the venue will have been used for the Norfolk and Norwich Festival. And it's a medieval building like our own Dragon Hall. Um, so it's cool to be able to bring through that thread as well. We've got five events as part of the festival. We have a workshop in the morning for 11 to 14 year olds. Um, called Fabric of Our Future, which is with Sarah Corbett, who founded the Craftivist Collective, um, which is a group of people who do gentle and peaceful protesting by sewing on handkerchiefs and things like that. Um, and we're inviting parents to come along to that as well, to engage with their children about social activism and how to change the world. Um, and then we have four more traditional 
literature festival events, the first of which being Where Do You Stand, which is a political talk uh, with three young activists from around the globe talking about really important and timely issues to them. And we'll be inviting the audience to step forward and engage and interact with those ideas. Um, that was something that was really important to the engaged group of kids who were designing this programme because they wanted to um, make sure that we were able to exchange ideas and grow and learn and the festival be open to everybody. Mm. It's about doing it in a safe environment as well, yeah. isn't it? That everyone, everyone gets a chance to be heard and no opinions are kind of wrong and that sort of thing. That really came across when I came to a couple of the sort of planning, the early stage yeah. planning sessions with these young people, is that they were very aware of making sure that everyone got their chance to have their views heard and to also sort of make themselves open to learning about different perspectives. Yeah, they were really keen not to shy away from controversy, but to mm. make sure the dialogue that was had was a dialogue and it wasn't just a shouting match between two different people. Um, and we think this event really kind of captures that spirit. Uh, we've got a traditional conversational event called Crossing the Line, which is with an author called John Dennehy, who is an American author. Um, and he actually studied at the UEA on the nonfiction creative writing masters, which is exciting to welcome him back to Norwich. We have an author panel, Right to Speak, with Holly Bourne, Mariam Khan and Jan W. Tanoe, um, which is going to be talking about identity and writing, and specifically identity and writing for uh, young adults and young people, um, which is really exciting. And finally, we have the world premiere of This Script by Jenny Lindsay, who's one of Scotland's leading spoken word poets, and we're really excited to welcome her to Norwich for this world premiere of her latest show. And given that it's been sort of gestating for such a long period and you're saying how social activism was the, sort of the, the zeitgeisty thing when you started the project, it feels like now it's even more so. Yeah, it's, it's something that's just grown and grown, I think. And I think it will continue to grow over the next, as long as social media is continuing this upward surge. Um, more and more people are getting involved and engaged in politics and different forms of activism, whether that's to do with the climate or that's to do with uh, big governmental things. Um, and more and more people are able to have their voice heard over the internet, uh, but that can also create an echo chamber. So I think it's going to be a discussion that keeps on being had for a long time to come. Yeah, no, it's, it's really exciting to have uh, young people putting this together as well, rather yeah. than... Uh, older people putting mm. stuff together for young people it's yeah. actually them doing it and I think the the sense of grown-ups having kind of abdicated responsibility and mm. young people taking charge yeah. and that's kind of what we've seen in the news for the last year plus yeah the, having this to kind of kick off our bit of the Norfolk and Norwich Festival is fantastic yeah and it's all I mean Norfolk and Norwich Festival our strand um that we've worked in partnership with the festival on which is called City of Literature has always been about you know it's not just about books and reading it's about ideas it's about change making um, it's about debate and discussion and so this ties in so fantastically yeah. well with that and the quality of the entire festival actually even down to um, the brochures that are kind of mini zines as well um, it's just such a high quality so these young people have just done fantastically well and I think this will be such a polished exciting yeah. festival that I really hope as many people as possible can come over um, and experience because it's just going to be, I think it would just be really, really good. Um, and also I really like that uh, it has a pay what you can style pricing structure. So these young people were really keen on making sure these events are as accessible as possible. 
despite you know anyone's financial circumstances in particular so you can actually choose how much you want to pay or what you can pay for these events so if you can't pay too much you could show choose a lower band um, but some people are happy to pay a little bit more because they can and I think that's that's a, a really great way of sort of establishing this festival something that's very open and accessible to all. And it's worth saying that all of the um, money from those ticket sales is going directly back into our work with schools and young people mm. uh, with the view of having a legacy for this project to go forward so that more young people can um, can have the, the same uh, opportunities yeah. I guess yeah absolutely. Fantastic. So yeah, that's Saturday the 11th of May and details are all on the website. Marvellous. Uh, so back to Hannah Jane Walker and today's main interview. Hannah was staying in the cottage here at Dragon Hall, mm. where we've had a whole bunch of writers coming through, uh, mostly international writers. Yeah, we've had quite a few international writers, haven't we? It's yes. been lovely because as soon as we come into the office sometimes and you look out the window and you can actually see a writer in their writing habitat at the window doing some writing on the computer or Typing at their desk. Away, yeah. It's really lovely. It's, I mean, yeah. it almost feels staged. It does. It? it does. It feels like we've deliberately place them there but we honestly haven't it's yeah. been yeah it's really nice to be around someone in that creative process yeah, and that's something we couldn't do until we reopened mm. last year when we added the new wing and the cottage went back to being a kind of residency mm. option yeah. for writers to come in uh, which is fantastic and hannah was here developing her show yes yeah. Han- hannah was one of our associate artists and so uh, we helped commission this project mm. and so she's been working on the show uh here in dragon hall as well as um where she's based and yeah and then it will the show will take its sort of premiere to Norwich Arts Centre as part of Norfolk and Norwich Festival so it all nicely ties together good segue yes <laughs> um, so in the interview Hannah is talking with Seren Saunders who is one of our young ambassadors and Vicky I wonder if you could introduce the concept of young ambassadors and how Seren fits into all this Yeah, so the Young Ambassadors are a group of, again, 15 to 17 year olds who um, have a passion for reading and the arts more generally. And the Young Ambassadors programme is really a professional development opportunity for these young people to show them that there is the option of a career in the arts, because I think still, very sadly, students are being uh, penciled into STEM subjects at school. And while STEM subjects are really valuable and important, um, the arts is just as valuable and actually um, there's a massive uh, industry there which is got loads of space. so many roles isn't there I think people yeah. don't realize and I certainly didn't realize even at university level yeah. just how many options there were for me um, as someone who personally studied English literature you know there are so many different roles out there in the arts um, and yeah it's really this is a really great scheme that allows people to kind of sample that. Yeah and Seren in particular I know is interested in media and in journalism um, and so she seemed to be the perfect fit to come along and have a go at interviewing someone for a podcast uh, which is something I know she's really excited about um, and is really happy that she's had the opportunity to do. Excellent so yeah let's uh, let's hand over to Seren talking with Hannah Jane Walker. Okay so hello Hannah thank you very much for talking with us. Um, I think first of all if you just have a little if you just introduce yourself, um, maybe talk a little bit about your new show, Highly Sensitive. Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Hannah Jane Walker, and I'm a poet and theatre maker, and um, more recently a curator by accident. Uh, and I'm here at the National Centre for Writing. We're staying in the lovely Writers Cottage, which is really great. Yeah. And I'll be working with my director Katie Bonner, who's amazing, on a new show that I'm making called Highly Sensitive. 
Okay, so when I was doing some research about highly sensitive, one of the things that I found really interesting was the fact that, you know, it's based heavily off your life. Mm. So I had a few questions about that. So first of all, how do you choose, you know, because, you know, it's your life and how do you choose which bits you're going to put on a stage and show everyone? And... Um, I have always not enjoyed shows about people's lives and never wanted to make that kind of show mm -hmm. and so when we approached working on this there's always like various stages of making a show I um at first was insistent that it would contain nothing about me okay and so like there's been various scripts which have been completely thrown in the bin I think mm -hmm. this is script seven oh wow that we're okay. on now and then within that there's been various revisions within that mm -hmm. and I started to realize so I did something called scratches, um, where you just, I don't know if you know what they are, but they, they, you like try a show out in front of an audience, okay. and then you like figure out what worked. Oh, okay, and what yeah. Didn't work, and yeah. it's really revealing. Um, and what I realised was that I was talking to them about a subject, which was sensitivity, but they didn't know why I was there mm -hmm. talking to them about sensitivity. Okay. And I think when you put anything on a stage, like I'm not an actor. And I don't really have any good performance skills. I'm good at telling stories and I'm good at telling poems, but like I can't act. I couldn't like pretend to do anything. Mm -hmm. The act of putting someone on a stage in front of a group of people means that they think that you're a character no matter what you do, mm -hmm. unless you tell them that yeah. you're not doing that. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and one of the best ways to do that is to tell them something true. And an audience kind of know if you're telling mm. them something true or not. So... The way that I always choose what to what material to put in anything, whether it's about me or whether it's about someone else or something else, is to find a question that sits underneath a show. Mm -hmm. So, like, I made a few shows. One has a rude title, so I probably won't say it on here. But it was about how we handle making mistakes. Mm -hmm. and I made that with a chap called Chris Thorpe. And... The way that we would decide, we, the, the question sitting under that was like, can we use, can we learn from our mistakes? Mm -hmm. Can we use how we make mistakes be something valuable to us rather than something we just punish? Yeah. And so we would pick, like, sort of put that question underneath everything and then only offer that question and its chapters material that it seemed to insist on mm -hmm. and needed. It's like feeding a plant or something yeah. that's like, do you want this? And the show goes, no. And it mm. kind of tells you, itself do you know what I mean you yeah. kind of like make an offering and then it goes no I don't want that mm. or I don't need that and so in choosing what material to put next to something you're like does this material answer the question or not and with the mm. previous versions of this show every bit of material that I offered it that was nothing to do with me the show just went no you kind yeah. of haven't really got to the point yeah. like and so I tried it out in Saffron Walden, which is where I live. And the audience were like, why are you not in it? So I had a whole script version, which I was not in at all. And today what we've done is like written myself and my grandfather and my daughter back into it because mm -hmm. we realised that it's really important in the show to talk about the story that you get given and the story that you pass on. So the bits mm -hmm. of personal material that are in there are all about like stories I've been given about who I am and what I'm good at, what I'm good at and what I'm useful for, mm -hmm. and then realising what stories I've told my child. Yeah. And suddenly realising that some of the stories I've given her about her sensitivity and that being a weakness 
are not very useful. Mm. So that's the material I've offered it because the, the show is kind of asking, like, is sensitivity, um, is it more useful to us than we, than we think it is? Mm-hmm. Like, we think it's just like a weakness and something that's disposable, but actually, yeah. is it something that has value? And the answer in the show to that is yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I have been tried to be really careful that none of the personal material that I've included in it heroicizes me as like the person who's like and I've solved this yeah and like so I found the answer to this you should all learn this too Mm. like I've actually problematized myself and gone like look I've got this internal bias Mm. about like being sensitive so the story in that is like I was a really highly sensitive kid and then I realized that being sensitive meant that people thought you were really weak Mm. so I developed a sort of strategy to get through life which was to be really overtly tough Okay. And to be yeah. like, no, 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 I, I don't feel insensitivity at all. Mm. And I realised that what, and that my, and my, and then her becoming a parent and realising that my daughter was highly sensitive. And the story that I was giving her was that you have to stop it. Mm-hmm. And going as a parent, telling your child that they have to change innately who they are, is kind of real form of cruelty that mm. is completely unnecessary. Like you should actually be supporting who they are, yeah, and like yeah. providing that's yeah. parenting, like, and like that I was kind of bullied myself. I'd kind of like bullied my sensitivity out of myself and that I was on the verge of doing that to her. So like I offered it that material because um, if I'd told that in abstract, it, the audience would have thought, but why are you telling me? Yeah. Do you, yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. That was yeah. a long answer. Sorry. No, it's brilliant. <laughs> I really like that idea about um, the show having its own question, almost having a, a mm. life of its own. Like what, what am I trying to do here? I yeah, like yeah. That. They kind of do. They're like little creatures that kind of insist on themselves I think what I also wanted to ask I mean I know you talked about um you know sort of writing um your daughter into the show Mm. and I guess um with anything you know making yourself vulnerable Mm. um, and like and telling such strangers Mm. um about your life and and your daughter um, yeah I I think is there a certain amount of like sort of fear or um apprehension around that no, I think I wouldn't offer it anything that genuinely felt uncomfortable. There is a story which I've chosen not to tell in mm-hmm. this show, which is to do with my mum, actually. Okay. And like, and there was an earlier version mm. which had that story in it. Oh, okay. It was like the first version, and I was like, that's the story. And then I felt really uncomfortable telling that. And I was mm. like, actually, that's too far. That's, that's not good for her well-being. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'd include anything which... Um, try and keep a really clear eye on like what's useful to the show and what potentially could be damaging to anybody else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're two different things. And like, yeah, sometimes there's a call to be made on that. It's quite Mm -hmm. a fine line. And actually maybe I've got, I've got a stepdaughter as well. And sometimes they include her and stuff. And maybe they'll both grow up and go like, I hate you for ever mentioning me in anything you've ever made before. And I'll be like, okay. (laughs) And we'll have to have a chat about that. Mm. And like, they'll be entitled to their own opinions on that. But I like to think, maybe I'm kidding myself, but I've tried to be really careful about what I tell and how I tell it Mm -hmm. about them to not, so so they wouldn't feel exposed. Um, I certainly, yeah, I've tried to be really careful about that. And if I've needed to, if I felt that something was really important to talk about and it was a personal thing from them, then I fictionalised that bit and gone, mm. oh, I met this guy. Ah, <laughs> and okay, he told yeah. me blah, 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 blah. 
because there is a line of protection you have to yeah. put in something. Um, Katie, who I'm working with, mm-hmm. Katie Bonner, she said something really interesting in the rehearsal room last time we were here working together and about her show-making process. And she said that she thinks there's a difference between making a show about something which is true to you and mm-hmm. being still in the process of processing it. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Or having, like, realised something about it, mm-hmm. put a bit of distance between you and it, and then being like, I think I've got something valuable to offer yeah. about this now. And you shouldn't really be in the process of, like, still processing something, whether it's good or bad, really, mm. and then trying to make something for the outsiders to look at into it. I think there might... I have like an idea of a set time frame for that, but I think there should be a bit of room. Yeah, almost like you yourself should be an outsider to it at that point. A bit, yeah, because yeah. you need to be able to um, strip out what's not valuable to the show. Mm. And like, I say this all the time in workshops with writers, and if I wasn't doing it myself, I'd be a horrible hypocrite, which is like, so I run a lot of poetry workshops. Mm-hmm. And often people will say to me, that's in the poem because it's true. And it has to stay in there because it's true. Mm. Like, yeah, no, I get that. And I get that writing is therapy often and everything. Yeah. But that doesn't make it a good poem. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what makes it a good poem is when you've cared enough to think about how the reader, or if you're on stage, audience, mm. what are they getting? And then you strip out, you only let, leave in what's best for them. Yeah. And the heart of a thing. You don't want to rip the heart out mm. of a thing. And sometimes that is personal or sometimes it's not. Mm. Um, I think so. If we backtrack, yeah. um, do you think there was a specific moment um, where you realised that this whole idea about, you know, sensitivity and is it, um, you know, a good thing and can we benefit it? As you said, yes, we can. <laughs> um, you know, do you think there was a, re- a, a moment where you thought, you know, I need to make some content about this and share it with people and try and make some kind of difference yeah there was I um mentioned Chris earlier who I used to and sometimes still do shows with and after coming out we made shows which were slightly interactive Mm -hmm. so we made a show set around a table like the one you and I are sitting at which is just like a boardroom table with some chairs around it and the audience sat in that formation and um that was the mistake one and we got people to write down the biggest mistake they'd ever made and we mm-hmm. did some things with them and it was a show but it was set in a kind of non-conventional theatre space yeah and after doing that show we did it a lot and mm-hmm. I mean it was like the tour that wouldn't die like we just <laughs> toured it to death I was mm. like oh my god please we stopped touring um, it was great though mm. um after doing that show I would usually come out of the room and say to Chris did you notice that that couple had come in together and like they were clearly on a first date mm. and like she was so un- unimpressed with him or whatever. Or like that guy came in and he thought he was the leader in the room and he became the quietest person in the room. Or the quietest person in the room, he was really shy, became the loudest person in the room. Mm. Or did you notice this tension that happened? Chris would be like, what are you talking about? Like, what job are you doing? Like, yeah. we're supposed to be performing the show. And I was like, it's not, is everyone not doing that is that Mm. I thought I don't know why but I mean rationally I knew that everyone doesn't take in information in the same way Mm. and I've read information that told me that but I didn't have like a direct case study whereby myself and another individual were like interacting in the same thing and coming out with completely different experiences Mm. and like I was constantly being told that's too sensitive and I remember thinking but that's useful in that show 
like what Chris is doing is useful and great. He's an extraordinary performer and he is reading them in some capacity as well. But also what I was doing, I was like, it's useful because I can then figure out who in the room is doing what and then take them with me in the show and like mm. tailor it. Yeah. And so I started thinking, well, what is that? And did a bit of reading and it was about different degrees of sensitivity to being able to read different people. And so I started doing some writing around that and then it kind of grew into it. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe it has to be, I thought it might be a collection of poems for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then that format wasn't right. Um, and then I thought, oh, maybe it's a set of poems on a stage as like a performance poetry gig. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, it's not that. And at one point I wrote a kid's book about it. And I was okay. like, is this the format for that? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no. And at the moment, the other thing that I'm doing with it, I'm working with the BBC on a documentary talking okay. to scientists and people about highly sensitive people. Oh, okay. But I've been very, I've tried to be very careful at keeping the show and the documentary separate because they're mm-hmm. doing different things. I think you have to mm-hmm. think about the format and the people who are there yeah. and what capacity they're in and what mm. that means the thing that you're making needs. needs. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess one um, is going to be more personal because it's you know it's a show from you yeah, and with, yeah, with real yeah. like people. But Can't then... make a documentary about myself. <laughs> well, I suppose you could, but like well, I don't want to make that documentary. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it wouldn't be the most interesting documentary in the world. Mm. Uh, but it's much more interesting to speak to in that context. It's much more interesting to speak to the specialists who are researching like what happens in the brain of a highly mm. sensitive person and like talking to all those people who are out there on the front line of. Of, of understanding what that all means yeah whereas in this it's more stories it is including a little bit of the science but mm-hmm. it's but it's about having that conversation with those audience members in a room whereas the documentary is not a conversation with the radio listener mm. in the same way yeah. <laughs> yeah so um i know you spoke a little bit about you know the different um formats that this sort of show took in the beginning so mm. like a collection of poetry a child's like, book um, how did you eventually decide on, yep, this is um, how it's going to be, mm. but also, you know, what was the process? What was the creative process and how did you? Uh, I did some of those things that I just mentioned. So I worked with like a really great kids book illustrator. And I made that, but it was just, she was an really amazing illustrator, but it wasn't the right story. Mm. And I tried writing some poems about it and they just didn't have the urgency about them and I realized sort of instinctively at home on my own that it needed to be on a stage and that it needed to be with a room of real human beings in the room mm. and they need to be honest yeah <laughs> um and then the process of that was that I applied to the arts council for some research and development money because I was like I'm pretty sure there's something in this, yeah. but I just need to put some other people in a room with me and go, what does this look like if we do this? And what mm-hmm. does it look like if we do that? And we were really grateful and lucky to be granted that bit of funding. And then I brought a brilliant producer on board called Sarah Crompton, who's amazing. And she then put in to process the next stage of that process, which was more embedded working with organisations such as National Centre for Writing, mm-hmm. who really kindly took me on alongside Tom Chivers from Pend in the Margins as one of their associate artists, Mm -hmm. which meant that they generously offered to let us stay in their cottage here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And what that afforded was like some time away 
from being a parent and all the other many projects which all of us do to make like income and everything work Mm. to just concentrate just on like what does this show look like and to go through all those different script uh, incarnations basically to bin script after script until you find the one that you're like no it's that one yeah (laughs) to be honest that's the process and so what we've been doing this week is that Katie Bonner and I have been using post-it notes on the floor and mapping out what happens if we open the story with a radio show that I made when I was a kid what does that Mm -hmm. do to the story where does that put the audience yeah where do we want to exit what happens to their mood in between how do we layer that with some of the kind of political climate things which are going on at the moment like Mm -hmm. how does the personal sit alongside the political yeah and like looking at kind of the shape of how all of that sits together as a mood for the audience Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah and then once we've got it in post-it note form then putting the text back in over the top okay yeah so we've kind of like been building the spine rebuild even though we've got all this text Mm. re and rebuilding the spine to make sure that answers the question yeah to then put the text back in yeah so that's where we are now and the next stage of that will be that we then get that up on its feet and we actually start standing in a room and going so what do you do where and do that bit and do it funny or like this is a sad bit and so it needs some I don't know music Mm -hmm whatever those things are. So the next next stage will be that then the design team come in and they will look at what I've made and gone, that would look really great if we made that lighting look like blah. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the next stage. And then we're premiering it. Ooh. <laughs> I know, I know. Which is terrifying and exciting at the same time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yes. But yeah, it's been very, very supported by um, the National Centre for Writing, which mm-hmm. has been really... Um, rewarding and also uh, quite transformative in terms of making the process a lot easier okay which has been great yeah (laughs) yeah um I think I mean I really like this idea of like having this question and taking this audience on a journey and fingers crossed yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure it will um and I think and I like what you said about um how it needs to be honest Mm. and it needs to be sensitive Mm. um and yeah, so I think what I'd like to ask is for an audience member watching your show when it's all, you know, properly and done and finished and it's going, and like, officially, they leave, and what do you want them to feel? What impact do you hope to have on them? thought a lot about that, and um, I want them to feel hopeful. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of a book called Hope in the Dark? I haven't. By Rebecca Solnit. I hope that's how you pronounce the name. Um, I was really influenced by reading that. Because it's about how to, like, how we're living in, like, what seems like really sort of turgid and stagnant times where everyone's just like, I don't know, what do we do next? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But that actually having hope in that and finding kind of small ways forwards for things mm. to still happen is kind of very human and also seems tiny but it's huge Mm. because if everyone's doing that then that's a big thing I really read that and I was like I don't want to make a show where everyone is just completely coming out like I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this or not where everyone's just coming out totally bummed out like Mm. I don't want to make that show like there's enough of that 
going yeah. on at the moment. Like, I just turn on the news and I'm like, God, like, yeah. is this the future mm. for for my kid? Is for all of us, you know? Like, yeah, just like God. Uh, so I was like, I really want to make something that's like hopeful and that makes people feel that there is like actively a very small concrete thing that they can do with anyone who's highly sensitive in their life, mm. which is just to shift their perception of them slightly yeah. and to engage them in group settings in a slightly different way. And no, that wasn't just a show for highly, about four highly sensitive people either, that it was like about how we participate as a whole mm. in making things happen. So I was like really concrete. I've been really holding on to like this has to be hopeful. Yeah. It has to feel like there's not action as in like I'm going to change the world, but like as in like I didn't want to give everyone a problem where they're like, well, what do you want me to do about that? Mm. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) What do you mean? Because sometimes I just come out of things feeling hopeless and then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to see any more things. And then I do go to see more things. And I think the things I really want to see, the things where I feel yeah, hopeful. Yeah. So there's potential in them. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's, for me, the barometer by which I will know whether the show succeeded or not mm. is like, do the audience feel that? How we find that out, yeah, I don't know. Because mm. <laughs> interviewing them, I suppose. But yeah. like, you can tell me. You could come and see the show and tell me, <laughs> honestly, what your response to that was. Uh, but that's my hope for it. Anyway. Yeah. Maybe that's a lofty hope, but that's my hope for it. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> like creating a space just to at least talk about it. At least talk about it. And that part of figuring out the future is being willing to embrace new ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And the way to do that is to take one step in front of the other and to be like, what happens next? And what happens next? And what happens next? And part of that is including different types of people in the conversation who are not normally included in the conversation. Mm-hmm who might have really valuable things to offer yeah. that we've been really overlooking. I think there's a lot of that mm-hmm. that's gone on for quite a long time. Well, I think that's a nice point to sort of end on, like hopeful <laughs> and nice. And, <laughs> yeah. and nice. Let's end with hopeful and yeah. nice. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. All right, thank you very much for talking. Thank you. Really lovely. Good, good. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Hannah and Saren for participating in this interview. Um, if you have any questions or want to get in touch, you can follow Simon uh, on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? At uh, Tarnamus. Uh, mine is at Steph X McKenna. And Vicky, what is your Twitter handle? At Vicky Maitland. Lovely. So if you don't already follow us on social media, you can find the National Centre for Writing uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Writers Centre on Facebook if you search for National Centre for Writing. And also make sure you go on to our website and sign up for our monthly e-newsletter where we send through lots of updates about our latest news and opportunities, uh, competitions, writing workshops. Um, and of course, make sure uh, you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate and review wherever you can because we really appreciate it. Thanks again, keep writing, and we'll catch you on the next episode when we're going to hear about what's coming up later this month at the City of Literature weekend during Norfolk and Norwich Festival. Mm